Hello there, this is Fiona, host and main GM for What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. This is a bonus Q&A episode to tide us over to the next one-shot, and it is indeed a very special Q&A, as this week I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Daniel Hand, aka the RPG Therapist. Daniel is an experienced counsellor who offers integrative counselling and quest therapy. That's RPG story-based therapy. RPG therapy uses storytelling and dice to help predominantly younger clients explore their inner worlds. His book, Role-Playing Games and Psychotherapy, A Practitioner's Guide, is an accessible and comprehensive resource for any practitioner who wishes to incorporate tabletop RPGs into their client work. It was a delight to talk to Daniel and discuss our passions not only for tabletop RPGs, but about their benefits beyond the table. You can find out more about Daniel's work on his website, Monomyth Counseling, and his YouTube channel, The RPG Therapist. You can also grab your own copy of Role-Playing Games and Psychotherapy from all good bookshops. I'll put links to all of Daniel's work on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. All right, well, let's just start nice and simply. Uh, who are you and what do you do? Oh, who am I? Jeez, don't ask start with hard questions. Big, big, deep question there. Well, I think uh, my name is Daniel Hand. Uh, <laughs> I'm a therapist in private practice. I'm an author. I'm a game designer. A friend recently pointed out that I am now also a content creator. Which yeah. I've completely unfriended him because of that. You know, <laughs> I've been playing each other for 20 years and I've just said, look, mate, don't ever, ever say that to me again ever <laughs> my latest book is is role-playing games and psychotherapy a practitioner's guide get your copy on amazon barnes and noble spring and nature and wherever you get your reading material Ugh. i know <laughs> <laughs> but also uh, i've got a youtube channel i've got two youtube channels i've got um the rpg therapist with daniel hand where i do basically what we're doing here today i'm mm-hmm. um, also on the international writers fellowship where we do live stream writing sprints and talking about stuff awesome and every now and again mm. i actually get to play rpgs what i know geez once in a blue moon maybe but yes it happens it does happen to all of us at some point we do get to play and not just run and make content all about it and just read them as like a uh, late night book reading my first question then is always like how did you discover role-playing games and how did you get into them i am not one of these people who can claim to have been playing it for 40 years mm. Eight, so i'm i'm only 40 now so i would have been an, an early an early starter mm-hmm. so the first rpg i ever played was actually a writing exercise um because i uh, when i was at uni um, I was a member of a fantasy writing forum, and there was just something called an RPG. And, you know, we each created a character, not necessarily according to stats or anything like that. It's just, this is the character I'm going to write. And then we had a play-by-post game. You know, you one person wrote a paragraph, then another person wrote a paragraph, then I wrote a paragraph, you know, just reacting to each other. Mm. And that went on for as long as it went on and fizzled out as those things often do mm. and and that was kind of symptomatic of me because ever since then the rpgs have all been about the story elements mm. first and foremost in terms of kind of more classic uh ttrpgs um my first ever uh game was actually with the one ring oh. uh, role-playing game um simply because i'm a huge tolkien nerd 
Yeah. I'm I'm not one of those talking nerds whose favorite book is The Silmarillion. <laughs> There's weirdly so many of those people who say that. Yeah. It's really wild. I, I yeah, I've never I've only read like The Hobbit and most of Lord of the Rings, but yeah, I, everyone's always like you need to read this and I'm like I think I got I think I got the vibe. I'm probably yeah. honest. I think I got it. <laughs> I'm I'm even worse than those nerds cuz I'm the talking nerd who prefers the history of Middle-earth. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, it's sad. Um, but as soon as uh, there was just a game set in Tolkien, I mean, I'd, obviously I'd, I'd heard of Merp, but it was old and had a reputation for being unfaithful to the canon. Would <laughs> you like that? And the One Ring was loudly um, proclaimed as being Tolkien in an in RPG format. Mm-hmm. So I got it up, then had to spend an inordinate amount of time trying to find a group who would play it um, because mm. you know what it's like trying to find a group that plays esoteric RPGs. And, and back then I didn't know that, but yeah, I found somebody and the rest is kind of history. Mm. Um, and now I'm going to die under a pile of books. <laughs> I think we all are. Anyone that listens to this podcast, definitely. I, I think they have the, not the shelf of shame. I think the, uh, the the bookcase of pride is what I would call it. Just 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 chock a block full of books of stories and and game mechanics that you know you know one day you just need to find that group to do it and, and we'll see. I'm not I'm not looking at anyone's bookcases in particular. <laughs> just looking on the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like for your listeners. I am currently surrounded, literally on four sides by books, <laughs> uh, in a room that you would be hard-pressed to get a single bed in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only place that doesn't have a shelf right now is right above the door. Mm-hmm. And I'm reaching the stage it wouldn't be too stupid to walk underneath a shelf. I mean, that that's uh, prime real estate, right? You could get a... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I there's would. no danger of something falling on you as you walk underneath it. Especially not, you know, against the Dark Master arrived this morning. That's not going to kill you when it hits you on the head. <laughs> Dungeon Crawl Classics, you'll be fine. Oh my god, yeah. So somebody gifted me uh, a copy, a physical copy of that whole thing. And I was like, this is a lot. I Yeah, that is something to open doors mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Sounds like then you've got experience of, through, through your career as well, like doing different RPG systems. Do you have a particular favorite one that you would use or one that you like to play in or run because it sounds like you obviously from just us briefly chatting that you're mostly a i don't like the words forever dm because that always seems negative perhaps but the like as a ongoing uh gm is is there a particular system that you like to use or you're like oh this is this is really one that i want to keep using or play in yourself well on the contrary actually um i'm only a forever dm in my professional life because obviously ah. one thing i i Considering it's the whole spiel, I haven't actually mentioned it yet. Obviously, I'm the RPG therapist because I use RPGs with my clients. And Mm -hmm. uh, yes, obviously, the forever GM there because, yeah, I mean, no, no, that's a lie. Sometimes I'll let um, the clients take over because that's that's a whole different exercise. But no, Mm -hmm. um, socially, um, poor old Pat, he's the forever GM. Um, Uh 
I keep trying to say, look, I'll run this happily, but he's the one who, I say, he loves Roll20, and he right. already has all, whereas I'm very theatre of the mind. We don't need Roll20, let's just, you know. Let's just talk, they'll talk to each other, you know. The dragon's over there, just just kill it. Well, yeah, but where? <laughs> just just over there, it's fine. Don't worry. Socially, um, uh, the, the One Ring will always be my baby. Uh, yeah. Especially, I mean, I loved the first edition, but then as soon as Freely got hold of... I, I was about to ask which edition, because yeah, I really love the second edition with free league it's so good we haven't actually played it yet because of so many other games but if i was being sent to a desert island and uh it could only take one game with me it would be that mm -hmm. they've just done a uh a kickstarter for their moria um, yeah. finally we get kazad doom for the one ring it's mm -hmm. only taken what 14 years 12, 12 years? A, a long time yeah i'm very excited in that 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 their alt covers for that and everything. Oh, I was like, oh, no. Very excited. So the Kickstarter um, started at 2 p.m. And uh, I was in the hospital because I, I, I had a, an appointment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was refreshing over and over again. And it got to 10 past. And I, was, and I sent a message to uh, my RPG group. Come on, Freely, you said 2 p.m. Come on, where is my book? <laughs> Dan, it's one. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, that that so that's how eager I am for it. That's that's the level of it. I think what I love about the wandering, I'm, I'm sure we'll go into other things as well as we talk about it, is that certainly in the second edition, just the idea that no matter what your role is in the party, like for the traveling and stuff, it's important, everything's important, and like the combat is hard because it's meant to be hard, and it just all of it feels so thematic and baked in. It really feels really thought out and well done. And I like, yeah, I just thought with the traveling aspect and the journeying and stuff like that, yeah, everyone has a place. Mm -hmm. So you're not like, say, in Dungeons and Dragons, where you're like, okay, I kind of built a social character, and we seem to be going for a dungeon. So I'll just, I'll, I guess, I could vicious mockery. Uh, I, could, I guess I, I guess I could do this. Uh, so you don't. So I think with the wandering, everyone shines. Not consistently, but like there's a spotlight. This is your moment if you're doing this, etc. Whereas you maybe you don't get that in every single session in Dungeons and Dragons, just depending on the story and stuff. So I just and also it's it's a beautiful book. It oh. feels beautiful. It looks beautiful. And I just I'm one of those people who now get starter sets like physically because I'm gonna be like, oh, look how beautiful these things are. Like why don't you maybe you just play it? It's a board game, but you have to act a little bit more like the little meeples. You know that that's that's how I try and trick people into playing games with me. The one ring starter set might well be the best single RPG product mm. out there just in terms of production values mm -hmm. it's a gm screen a map obviously the game a solo game yeah if you oh just anybody listening if you've even got a slight <laughs> interest in talking if you don't own uh the wandering starter set go out and get it now yeah the way that it's just like okay you could be hobbits in the starter set and here are the rules and it just takes you through it gently gently and then obviously yeah you're like oh you want the full game you want to be you want to be elves and dwarves and you know mm. men from the north all that sort of thing we can do that as well okay this is more of a deep dive on the one ring right now yeah, like, I'm, happy. The... I'm happy <laughs> i know I'm say you're happy <laughs> forgive me i can't remember the actual sort of names of the careers or the hero classes etc but it's just so good to say like yeah you can be anything we don't have to be like oh ideally you need to have this this and this you know like, to be a half Fling, you you have to be only these things you could be anything and then on top of that this idea of having um bringing up an air and having the role play session when you're going through like the emotion of the years or something like you could be like i'm gonna 
train up what my next character will be and then when they when they take take it on they will gain some of my benefits and i just thought again from a mechanics point of view, i was like that's really cool that legacy sort of standpoint but it's just a really cool role play thing that you can get to create and mold a character that you might have to play in a couple of sessions time because you fought an orc and lost you know that's so it's come home yeah. yeah exactly i mean yes you, but the other great thing is yes you can be pretty much anything you want but all of it feels authentic to the setting mm-hmm. you know as you say you're not a an entertainer who's underground searching you know how does a singer end up in a dungeon you know <laughs> they got lost <laughs> and they were like ah these people know where they're going it's yeah, the absolutely. it's the um the douglas adams dirk gently's holistic it's like they i they seem to know where they're going i'll end up there and you go oh no they did not know where they were going but i love that and since since then because i was very nervous when i heard that somebody other than cubicle seven was done it's because i love the first edition so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. since then freely can do no wrong in my eyes um i've got twilight 2000 dragon bane coriolis just you know this goes on it's dragon bane is beautiful again the uh you're having Eagerkins, the designer vasan as well they're oh, just, just they're beautiful but enough about freely they're not they're oh, not no. sponsoring this podcast but i agree to go buy freely really? stuff. if you want me to review your products just drop me an email <laughs> i am there <laughs> so i guess the sort of bigger question so obviously you know you you, you play the one ring you you play seems like fairly regularly you, you're using roll 20 as a player was there a point where you're like i want to start using this in my work with my clients like what what was the sort of tipping point i guess when you're doing your basic training to become a therapist or counselor you've got to do obviously a lot of theory but you've also got to do those naff um, presentations like choose a hobby how would you use that with your clients you know choose a creative activity how would you use that so um and again me being me it was all about stories initially you know how could you use story structure um, with clients and i did a presentation about drawing maps uh, with clients because who doesn't love fantasy maps you know that's cool yeah and i also did one on board games i didn't actually do one on role-playing games but it was kind of there that it was like oh yeah i should do this at some point mm-hmm. then a few years later um, when i was in private practice working I had a young client come along and nothing else would work. A poor little guy, he developed mutism. Um, so he just couldn't get the words out. Um, he was trying so hard. It wasn't as it wasn't that he wasn't engaging, he was just mm. just couldn't talk, poor lad. Mm. Tried absolutely everything I could think of. In the end, I thought, yeah, let's let's give it a try. We've been thinking about it for a while. Maybe this is this is the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I broke out the D&D Essentials kit. I think they've changed it now, haven't they? But it was the... So yeah, the Essentials kit is is the current starter. Oh, there's another starter set that's come out, but it was sort of an in-betweeny yeah. get people in. So yeah. I spent uh, two sessions creating a character with him. And since then, never used D&D in a session again because clients come to you to talk or if their kids play not to do paperwork <laughs> <laughs> yeah quite um so but we did that mm. started off in uh Fandalin. uh obviously well, that's where everything kind of is set in um i think both box sets at the time mm. walked him in, in you know saw a few locals sitting around um and just had some local come up to him and say hi how you doing obviously in a, a completely over the top voice <laughs> instantly i mean instantly this kid was talking wow you know and not just talking hi i did but 
uh, you're talking like this because he created a dragonborn sorcerer, oh. a blue dragonborn who obviously breathed lightning and therefore he had a sore throat all the time. Of course. Yeah. And that was like, uh, you know, it's like, okay, 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 okay. No, 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 we can do this. We can do this. This, yeah. this, this is just chill, chill. Yeah. And yeah, uh, that was the moment. Mm. Um, but also it was, it's a big lesson for me because as i say dnd just could not mm. be used consistently with clients because it's just too like i say it took two sessions to because don't, don't forget a therapy session is 50 minutes usually right yeah, yeah. and um okay yeah you could give pre-generated characters mm. uh, as helpful as they can be they're never as good as your own your own creation right and so next step was to find a simpler system mm. and obviously there were a few out there but none of them really scratched the itch so um i wrote my own in the end um oh, wow which eventually became my book um because the, the other thing obviously is now that i'm using it is a case of more people need to be doing this right come on come on do it why, why, why aren't you doing it yet mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a big thing that puts you know outsiders of the hobby off if you want to um term it like that is a there's the whole satanic panic slash ugh that's something that only nerds do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also there's the you know okay yeah you want to come play uh, an rpg well here's the player's handbook here's the gm's guide here's the monster manual here's mm -hmm. the supplement here's that supplement here's the map book here a bit off-putting i mean we were just talking about against the dark master and dungeon crawl classics i mean Good lord, I feel <laughs> it's weird because for that, for, certainly for Dungeon Core Classics, a lot of it is just like just randomize everything and don't worry about it too much. But it's you know, I had this conversation with somebody else about like getting people to play role playing games versus a board game because mm -hmm. with board games you can bring a board game and even be that person who goes all well, word as we go and have a rubbish time. But at least by the end of the ninety minutes or however long you you throw yourself into whatever strategy game it is and you go well we did it i now know i know what my feelings are about it we won't play that again and that's fine because it's all contained in a box whereas role-playing games suddenly like you said there's suddenly a big learning curve straight away for people for certain games like oh you need to know all this law perhaps or oh, you need to know this mechanic or oh, you don't want to get it wrong but and then on top of that you're then asked okay create a character uh role play as that character Maybe you're like, oh, okay, we're in a dungeon, there's lots of puzzles, then you're asked to solve these puzzles and riddles, and it's just like, there's a lot to it, unless you really just go, I'm a theatre kid, or I, I, I love this sort of thing, and you push yourself straight into it, or you just don't do anything. And I think, certainly with those games, role-playing games, like some people just get it after the first session, but maybe it takes two or three sessions to be like, oh, I really like the system, I and get to use the whole thing, maybe you don't do combat in that first session. There's a lot more that people go, I have to put in a lot more energy for role-playing games versus a board game or versus watching TV with my friends or playing video games where everything is automated. So I can totally understand why people maybe just say, board games is enough for me because uh, that's something like I could put this on my shelf and never look at it again. Whereas role-playing games are like all this stuff, all this extra thing that I don't have time to think about it. But on the flip side, I know people, it, it sort of gets to that point like where uh, MCM I was at recently at and there's so many uh, Gen Z and below that are coming up to like talking to to myself and other podcasts and like oh we'd love to play but we don't know where to start and we don't want to get it wrong and in my head I was like 
you don't get it wrong. You just play, you know. And I, I, that, I mean, that's because obviously I just threw myself into it myself. But I, some people do need that curve that they need something to bounce off with, and then can go go straight to like, I want to do the silly thing. I want to burn down this house. I want to do, you know, and, and that's okay. But then on the, on that flip side, that being the, like first time GM, it's like, oh no, I want to manage these expectations, and I want to make sure that they have a fun. But also, here is a story that I wrote that is very personal to me, and then they're. they're the players have happened to it and that's, that's not my story anymore. And so there's just, there's a lot more, I think, complex factors. And then on top of that, as you were saying, when people are looking from the outside, like, oh, maths and nerdy, satanic panic. But then we also have like a uh, bigger company. So like, you know, oh, the D&D movie, we've done this. And they're like, oh, and we're all there going like, yes, that's, that is kind of what D&D is like sometimes mm-hmm. not all the time and so then we're sort of maybe there's a worry that we're gonna have people coming going oh this is not like the film this is not like the tv show and you're like yeah because because it's not and that's okay so yeah. it's there's always other factors i find uh within it and that is a big issue that the industry has because joe public genuinely believes that D is the rpg mm-hmm. hobby you know if you ask somebody what an rpg is they'll stare at you like you've gone mad you say do you know what dnd is like, oh yeah that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and as i say to people yeah that's like saying that all board games are monopoly yeah 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 yeah. and we mentioned starter sets a little while ago and that's what i really like about starter sets because they look like board games yes a hundred percent but also um oh i forgot what the what the name of the uh, publisher is they've got two games they've got dusk city outlaws and the spectaculars or was it just spectacular but they are massive boxes and they look and feel like board games so the mm. way you create your character is everybody gets this little tray you put a character sheet on there and then you choose a handful of cards and put those cards on your tray and mm. they make your powers and stats and all that. So oh, cool. Yeah, cool is the only word for it. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of starter sets and mm. board game looking products generally. I appreciate obviously with pandemic stuff and everything like that. With pandemic, never heard of it. Never heard of it. I know that other other board <laughs> game that people keep talking about. With that, obviously, I assume uh, some of your sessions have been both online and in person for you. If you're doing uh, RPG sort of toolkit stuff with your clients, it, I'm guessing there's there's a big shift between online and in person. And is there a preference for you? Do you think in that respect, if if that's something that you've explored? Well, actually, on the contrary, no. Um, it, mm. there, there isn't that big a difference for me personally. Sure. Yes. Of um, as I, I think I mentioned earlier, I am very big on theatre of the mind. I am mm. largely because, like I say, so. Uh, I approached it very much with a when I was creating the system with a okay I need to create something that is going to be very basic so that a therapist can pick up the book whenever it's published and not need to go out and buy a bag full of dice and 200 miniatures and half a dozen battle maps it's just a case of no you've got this book you'll have a d6 lying around somewhere because yeah. everybody does that'll do and I actually work exclusively online now because I've got clients all around the world and the, oh, wow. the commute to and from Thailand is a bit of a way between you and me. It, yeah, no, I, I can imagine the you know, busy, you know, rush hour, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. The traffic's a nightmare, especially, <laughs> especially over India. It's just oof. Oof. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> so for me personally, not really, but it's... 
it's all about getting into the spirit of it and and because mm. the big power of rpgs within therapy and and this is um this was demonstrated in that young man who couldn't mm. talk and then was talking mm. is because all of a sudden everything becomes the character's problem mm. so the boy didn't have to speak because his character was speaking so mm. he still he was still anxious about speaking but if the character was speaking then anything bad that was going to happen was going to mm. happen to the character Mm-hmm. And obviously, the lesson was well, nothing bad's going to happen to you. Um, so he could experience that. And then, obviously, a couple of sessions later, I could point out, you do know that you're the one who's doing the talking, right? Mm-hmm. And go, oh, yeah, and I'm fine. Huh. Mm-hmm. And so, as we all know, there are so many different ways of playing a game. You've got mm-hmm. VTTs, you've got miniatures, you've got theater of the mind, you've mm-hmm. any combination thereof. Mm-hmm. For me personally, again, I'm very much focused on the story side, the character mm. side. Um, not in so much as, oh, we've got big epic plots that we've got to follow, more along mm. the lines of, well, if we create the character, we've got to have things to happen to the character so that the player can react to them. And then mm-hmm. we can take a step back and psychoanalyze what was going on for the player mm-hmm. at that particular moment. And dice are—I uh, don't have a dice problem. <laughs> I don't think any anyone that says I don't have a dice problem, they look at their jar of dice that they've gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, have you got a <laughs> bag? Just appears amazing. Um, I'm—I—I I, I counted yesterday. Oh um, no! I'm currently waiting on seven sets of dice. <gasps> Daniel. <laughs> Yesterday I was waiting on eight sets, but one of them arrived this morning. Oh well. <laughs> but they're so nice. I like, don't you don't you're preaching to the choir. I've got a whole set and I've gone, I can't. Because a lot of my online all of my online stuff now, because I the one I've run the most is D D. It's a mm-hmm. regular game. And of course, all that is in built in with this with the DD Beyond stuff. So that is all is all great. But what I've discovered is that if I share my audio, if I'm doing like uh, immersive stuff like that, it'll also share the uh, the sound of the dice rolling. And they they freaked out the first time that happened. I was like, oh, it's a natural one. And it's some it's some sort of mimic dice that like makes noises. And they were like, what is that? And I was like, oh, calm down, calm down. It's fine, it's fine. It's just, I've, I mucked up. I mucked up. It's fine. It's still a natural one. <laughs> <laughs> so when you have a session that coming up with, and you know you're going to do the creating the character and all that sort of thing, in terms of the story, are you led by uh, the, uh, the your client, or do you have some things in mind from what you've spoken about previously? Like, how do you come up with like, I guess, the mission, the reason why we're playing, you know, the adventure that they're on? Is it more informed of like, is it more improv? Like, where where would you like to go today? And then you react to that, or do you have possibly some themes in mind from a previous discussion you've had with them? Yeah, and that that's actually my favorite part of the whole thing. Mm. Um, so again. Coming at this from a, an author's perspective, I've been a professional uh, fantasy author for mumble, mumble years now. <laughs> what I created specifically to help A, clients, but B, also other therapists and and players. You know, you don't have to be a therapist to buy my book. Just mm. promise you're not going to therapize your friends. Yes, very true. I hesitate to say I created it because I'm sure somebody else will have done it beforehand. Sure. Um, but I outlined something that I called the story trinity, basically saying that Every story in existence has to have three things, and only three things. It can do they can do without absolutely anything. Because this was one of the presentations I did on uh, mm. my course, and I got into a bit of a 
not a row, but um, heated discussion. Uh, yes, with um, somebody who just wouldn't have it. That uh, when I said a story doesn't need an ending, so of course it needs an ending. No, it doesn't. No, it well, doesn't. That's it. You know, yeah, I mean, Pride and Prejudice ended when Darcy and Elizabeth got married. If that's the end of their story, then bloody hell, it was a quick marriage. Yeah, and definitely there's been other stories that have continued on what happened afterwards. So, yeah, yeah it doesn't um, end like that, yeah. But the three elements which um, I personally believe no story can do without is a character, mm-hmm. setting, and obstacle. Mm-hmm. And if you do it in that order, you create the character, then do the setting, then do the obstacles, that kind of means that you are automatically building up everything around the client and their character so you've met them you know what their quote-unquote presenting issues are but if you start off with saying rather than saying what game would you like to play and offering them D, the one ring quest marvel besom any you know just say Mm. what kind of game would you like to play do you want to play fantasy superhero sci-fi and then once you've settled on that, you say, okay, well, let's create a character. And and again, um, I've created a character sheet, which can be filled in in about five minutes. Yeah. And you go through that, you create the character. Mm-hmm. And by the time you finish that, you've got an idea as to what the story is going to be. Because if they've created, you know, a swashbuckling swordsman, odds are they're going to want people to buckle swashes against. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, stab uh, and swing from chandeliers and all that and so mm-hmm. then you go and produce the setting which will be conducive to that and you'll get input from them saying well how about we put a you know a castle over here with lots of chandeliers to swing from mm-hmm. and um, i need a pirate ship and then once you've done that that's when you can put in the obstacles that a are both engaging you know it's like <laughs> there are pirates coming get your sword let's go mm-hmm. But also you can put things in the character's way which are going to challenge the client's less than helpful outlook. Mm. Um, so, for example, a very simple one that I, I do quite regularly is with people who come uh, and are very anxious about making decisions, mm. uh, just walk their character through a forest. You, you There's a tree in front of you. Which way do you go, left or right? Mm. You know, just no stakes whatsoever, mm-hmm. but it's a small decision. Mm-hmm. And if you just keep repeating, you know, that exercise or similarly created exercises for whichever issue you're tackling, mm-hmm. the RPG becomes a place for practice. Yeah. And experiencing what it might like to be in a certain situation. It definitely feels like. Because now we're obviously we're in, in a world of safety tools and like exploring things. But as a result, I mean, I'm so grateful for those sort of things because then it means we can explore uh, topics and themes sensitively with everyone's consent at the table. And like, for example, I'm currently preparing for like a, a folk horror game. And in the book, uh, the sort of setting is, is Solemn Vale. It's a cracky little system, all great, but it is incredibly dark. It really picks up on those 1970s, you know, Wicker Man, all that sort of thing, you know, can be very very dark and certainly in folklore horror children come up all a lot hurt the children sacrificing all that sort of thing self-harm or or, or you know sex and it's one of those things where i don't think i would have been i would i something that's oh it's very interesting and yeah these are the stories we can tell but some people are like you know i i don't want to tell those stories and so having being able to check in and be like we can 
we can see what the issues are or see or see what the here are the things that are on the table are people happy for us to to push that and see how far we can go and then if it goes too far we could be like oh pause draw back let's just experience that and i think sometimes we limit ourselves just by saying like oh i just want to play Dungeons and Dragons. it's not a political game it's not this it's not that and you're like but it could be mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing to have politics in our games because then actually you you can experience it in a safe way that doesn't necessarily hurt you in the real world where politics is a thing where war is a thing you know and issues about gender and politics and people just being horrible to people that is a thing and if we can explore it in this safe environment in the in the safety place we can then be like we can train ourselves but like if we can see those what's happening here we can see it in the real world and maybe be able to make decisions about it in the real world and be able to stand up for ourselves and that is the key word safety because mm-hmm. obviously the whole point of coming to therapy is that you're exploring issues that have made you less than content in life and they can be any number of things mm. But the reason you go to therapy rather than just talking to your next door neighbor is you're doing it in a safe environment, mm-hmm. A, with a trained professional, but B, you know, where nothing can come back to you. You know, mm-hmm. you can talk about how annoying your parents are and know that they're never going to find out about it. Exactly. And there's this um, concept uh, in the therapeutic world called the, the therapeutic frame, which is all about the boundaries of the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, confidentiality all, all, all of the the things that allow for that safety but i also talk about the fictional frame because mm-hmm. uh, creating this story creating the rpg world and putting your client via their character into that world all of a sudden there's an even greater sense of safety mm-hmm. because again we're not talking about the client's problems we're talking about the character's problems mm-hmm. and any uh bad things that are going to happen are going to happen to the character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. any consequences to decisions the client can go yeah it wasn't me it was them see let them take it let them deal with it Mm -hmm. and yeah safety is the the key word for any therapeutic process Mm. and that's what I love so much about using RPGs uh, in the therapy process because it's it, it just dials the safety up to 11. It's made me think about something that comes across sometimes in, in my games when I do streaming and stuff. I obviously want to take care of the players, certainly if it's horror games, because obviously mm-hmm. sometimes that's very close to the bone on certain things. And obviously, so you'll have your lines and veils, you have your safety tools and stuff. But then if we have, for example, in a game such as I run uh, the Alien RPG. Oh, it's it's a fantastic game but you're not meant to survive you can be the very cool marine but these creatures they are unrelenting it's it's not only is it the creatures you say oh alien you know what the big bad is it's actually the big governments it's the horrible space you know it's all these things operations it's everything yeah it's everything which is great and i really enjoyed that but then when we have a character death it's so interesting because they, I, I guess, I don't know, from my perspective, as a game mother for that, I'm very aware that, okay, be careful about describing too much gore. Do, you know, be careful about certain things. But I, I've had players who are suddenly very attached to these pre-generated characters, uh, so not even the custom characters, because they, the moment is where they were in the story, they were fixing the ship, they just got to get back to the airlock, and a creature appears, and they just the creature just rolled too high on the table, mm-hmm. and it's an instant death. And that sudden moment 
obviously it shocks everyone and you know I obviously I, I call breaks and all that sort of thing but it's got to that point now where in a sense for me one thing I definitely try and do with a lot of my games is talk about that emotional bleed mm-hmm. so before you were saying like that idea of like okay you're customizing the character so anything that happens to me it happens to that character it's, it's you uh, so it's not you but it's so interesting I, I I mean I've experienced it myself with various games when you know a character uh, that was close to my the character I was playing just died trying to save me and I had to I was and we were playing online and for various reasons we all, we couldn't stay afterwards and I was just sat here in this chair going I don't know what to do and I just felt that those emotions and stuff like that and so it's so interesting how something that we've made up that's in our heads the, the theater of the mind and something happens you make that decision there's a, a worksheet that I've used which is just like it's a, a LARPing worksheet where you decompress and try and separate out from the characters like did you what did you do well in the session what didn't you do why are you feeling these feelings and putting them out because I hadn't even considered role-playing games even though they are very personal you make your decisions that you could still think about and the what happened in the game could you know so it's almost like the opposite way from what we're talking about uh i just guess i just any i just wanted to know if you had any thoughts on like that emotional bleed that we do have in role playing games that's the cool thing and that's why it works as therapy because yeah the actions that the character is taking so like talking for example or like standing up to a bully or whatever it's not going to come back on the client because it's no. the character doing it but mm-hmm. the emotions that we're discussing Mm. are real Mm. so one question i frequently ask is okay so how does the character feel about this particular situation okay how do you feel about this Mm. and then kind of the follow-on from those yeah how would you feel if you were in the character's situation Mm. therapy as i'm sure you uh will be aware is all about emotional work and Mm the characters because there is research that shows that we develop relationships and emotions with fictional characters in much the same way as we develop them with real people Mm. and so when we talk about characters it's like we're talking about real people real experiences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that bleed of emotions from the game into the client is kind of the point that's that's where the therapy happens Mm. yeah so for example the uh, young man in question realizes oh yeah i i don't need to be worried about talking Mm -hmm. because the character wasn't worried about talking and you know if you're up fighting against a dragon okay yeah you're not going to necessarily appreciate the nuances of the situation because between you and me i don't know many people who have actually fought dragons Mm, me neither (laughs) but the emotion of being in a dangerous environment with this big scary individual towering down on you Mm. we know what those emotions are like Mm. you know we've all had experience of bullying in some form or other even if it was just some muppet on the tube Mm -hmm. and as a professional the therapist's job is to grab hold of those emotions and dangle them in front of the client and say yeah you see we've been doing the work all along it's inside you all along essentially oh oh, you didn't just say that (laughs) i did sorry well it's nice knowing you're good (laughs) um i was gonna ask again feel free to say you don't know anything about 
in terms of genres, like you say, what kind of game do you want to play? There? This, from what your experience, do people mostly go towards high fantasy? Because it feels like obviously D and D is the moment right now. Or do you find there's a much more wider range of like genres? Like, oh, I want to do uh, action hero, or I want to do horror or sci-fi. If you see what I mean. I mean, boring answer to that. I'm afraid it's all down to the to the client. I think there is a tendency towards fantasy simply because I'm a fantasy author. <laughs> that is fair. That's but fair. also there is something very otherworldly about fantasy. So that that makes it even further removed. So again, mm-hmm. you, you can liken tackling a dragon to tackling a bully. Mm-hmm. Whereas if in a sci-fi environment, you know, yes, you can you can have an alien instead of a dragon. And there's yeah. Yeah, obviously there's still a difference, but the Star Trek alien still looks very similar to a human. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've played so many different types of uh, scenarios. I mean, I, I had one client finished with him, I mean, not that long ago, actually, um, who we were just doing uh, something set in the Vietnam War, just because he was doing that at school and and thought, yeah, that's going to be cool to do that. Um, I went through a phase where all of my clients wanted to play Firebenders. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, and then the Avatar uh, Legends came out, mm-hmm. and never once since has anybody played Firebend. <laughs> That's such a shame. It's a it's a very cool system. My my partner's really into Avatar and Korra uh, and all that sort of thing. So my plan is to learn it and and run through it at some point as well. Because it yeah it's it's it is it is definitely like one of the media touchstones. Uh, recently and then yeah and then it comes out and then nobody wants to play. You're like oh, yeah. come on guys <laughs> yeah yeah hundred mm-hmm. percent. And yeah, there are some great. Uh, you know, you can't go into space without having your own spaceship and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, yes, in answer to your question, it does lean towards fantasy, but not necessarily as much as Mm. the RPG industry leans towards fantasy. That's fair. No, that's just very interesting because, yeah, I guess because it feels like the last 10 years there's been this huge resurgence and as we were saying before it's like you know rpg equals D. that seems to be the general mainstream stuff so yeah that's why i was just like i i would i would assume that but you're right it obviously comes down to the individual person my other question because obviously you've running games one-on-one um and i feel like obviously that's in the context of, of your work but it's interesting because when we've run games usually it's for a group of people but then you know oh so and so can't make it or this person can't make it and so when it diminishes down to less people is the likelihood is for people just to be like oh let's not have the session or let's not do it and i wondered like from your point of view again i appreciate it's part of your work so you'll already have that confidence of talking to someone one-on-one about these things but like running a game for one person like how is that as an experience for you like do you are you more aware of certain elements are you do you obviously you've got your own system i know but like do you take some elements completely out and you're like actually again depending on the client but you, do you know what i mean because i feel like running the game for one person a lot of the time obviously they're making a lot of decisions i guess and if they're not necessarily making that decision uh for whatever reason I guess, how do you compensate for that? Like, is there any thoughts on on that, per se? Well, that was, uh, oddly enough, one, the other big factor in why most extant RPGs don't necessarily work in a therapeutic setting. So, A, there's that complexity. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. God, you, you, you're you going to ask your clients to read all this? No, thanks. <laughs> um, but also, the, the vast majority of them are designed specifically for, you know, group play. So, you you need a balanced party to get through the dungeon. 
the bard isn't going to last all that long by himself. Um, the alien RPG, you need your crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, doing one-to-one play. Again, there are some games out there uh, and more, more are coming all the time for mm-hmm. solo game, which I think is excellent mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm a huge fan of colossal if you've uh... oh such a good game yeah the, the expansion and stuff I, and that that's such a cool setting we'll go we'll, hang on let's do this tangent right now because that yeah. idea that you are a sh- small smaller people in the room lands this huge big place you look up you see the the beams of the roof etc and you're surrounded by these rook type characters which are unknown what they are and the art is beautiful i just yeah everything about it is just really the setting is just really fucking cool and yeah i'm 100% behind it and it's a uk publisher and and the game boy is a lo- uh, lovely bloke as well i'm i'm, yeah. I'm on his patreon I'm, my name's actually in the back of kia diner cuz i'm one of his patrons and it's just like oh yeah uh and he's going to have another book coming out eventually because uh, yeah. he just keeps pushing out content for this stuff and it's just incredible mm. but yeah so I, I actually recommend that as a, a, good a self-care um exercise because the other mm. thing that uh people come to therapy for is because they just haven't got a clue how to enjoy their time you know they've got mm. every minute of every day needs to be productive mm-hmm. and what's okay great so you're you're working all day um what do you do for fun I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. <laughs> so it's like, okay, colossal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm currently playing a character who's essentially a Power Ranger. Oh, very cool. You know, rooks keep coming into the city and have to be, oh, it's just, yeah. Haven't quite got to a rook zord yet, but it's going to happen. It's one of those games, again, that don't need much for the solo players. It's just card-based mm-hmm. and this idea of journaling as your character and stuff. But the art is cool and it's just so simple, the prompts and stuff. It's such a simple mechanic, but it's a cool idea. That's that, that's the thing for me with all these actual players and stuff. As, you know, the rules, you know, I will make, if the concept interests me to the point where I'm like, I'm buying it. It doesn't really matter too much. I'd say, she says touch wood, you know, um, <laughs> about how complex mechanics are. If I find it interesting, I've got to that position where I'm just going to bloody run it. I don't care. And yeah. that's the thing with Colossal because it's just so straightforward. Like I, I gave it to my flatmates who was going through a bit of a time. I was just like, just spend an hour doing that. And she did. And she really, she, I you know, only did it once, but she was like, this was really good. And I was like, I know. <laughs> because side note, RPGs are therapeutic regardless mm. of whether or not they're in therapy. You and mm. I both know we go and play a game we come away feeling better. Mm-hmm. We've had a good time with our friends, usually doing cool stuff. And there's always been at least one moment. Of, oh God, that was amazing. That was amazing. That what a clutch play. And I can't believe you said that to so-and-so. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. So the therapeutic value is just there. Mm-hmm. And so, as I say, uh, Colossal is one of those games where I just frequently say, right, because you know you're you're a creative person, you know, just give this a try. Mm-hmm. It won't require too much time. You can pick it up and put it down whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Nobody else in the world has to see it, but it will just get your imagination working and it will give you something to hold on to. And there's no end. You can keep going. Just oh it's like tick, tick, tick for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. But no, on, on the one-to-one play, mm-hmm. um, not really uh, is the answer to your question. Is it is it that different? Um, simply because by the time you've gone through that story trinity, you've created everything around the character. Mm-hmm. Because of that, everything is automatically balanced towards the towards the session. So 
if you're a D&D party going through a dungeon, again, the bard isn't going to get very far by themselves. So they need to have some they need to have a tank and somebody who's better at healing than a bard. Mm-hmm. And for example, whereas if you've created this setting specifically for the character to exist in and these obstacles specifically for the character and thus mm-hmm. by extension the client to overcome then everything is just it relies on the interaction between you and the client and the client and the game and then it just becomes a it, it's a decision making process mm-hmm. and that's where the therapy comes in because we're looking at well why did you make those decisions what mm-hmm. was going on for you whilst you made those decisions mm-hmm. i produce a, a monthly ish um newsletter and um if you subscribe to it you get a free adventure pack um to run with clients and which includes a pamphlet sized adventure specifically designed to um be run in the space of a single session mm-hmm. and that is just a case of um, somebody gets shot with a poisoned arrow, you need to go and find the antidote. Mm. And the number of different ways that can be achieved, as we all know, that, that some of the coolest moments in an RPG is when the players just do something com- that you were completely not expecting. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so I've had clients chase after the guy with the poisoned weapon to get the antidote. I've had clients go through forest to collect um ingredients for for to make their own antidote my clients travel to the nearest town to buy one mm. um it's less the you're just one person now so you need to be strong enough to overcome the dungeon by yourself and mm. more this is the situation mm. and you need to get to the other side of the situation mm-hmm. off you go mm. And when you get to the other side and, and in between you go, okay, well, what's going on for you right now? How, how are you feeling? Mm. Are you a bit worried, are you? Okay, well, yeah, what are you worried about? Okay, okay, yeah. So you're worried that the poisoned man is not feeling very well. Yeah, well, is that a, a reasonable thing to feel? Yeah, I'd be worried as well. Mm. And the great thing about the RPGs in therapy is the therapy is never far away. It, yeah, it feels like you can easily slip in and out of it. It's just a, literally a stop in the conversation, similar to how I'd be like, is everyone having a good time? Or do we need to go for a, a bio break? It just feels that sort of naturalistic thing, which I, it, you lead, obviously, as the GM. Mm-hmm. That that's It's nice that so that you're not constantly sort of put on the spot. Per se, you you just it's that sort of like just general sort of conversational, which I assume that's yeah. all that, that's what therapy is. I know, but it's just it's quite nice to have that, so that that you're not having that pressure to constantly make decisions like as as you and I having to answer things. It's just a yeah, like a just just a nice way just to talk about it through a, that's this other medium, which I yeah really really love. If you have fun with it, the client will have fun with it, mm. and nobody can take therapy too seriously when you're talking like a goblin. You know, <laughs> and you know, if you use big, effusive language and expansive uh, hand gestures, it's just like, yeah, you're in this giant, you know, you're not in, you're in a big room, you're in a big room, it goes right up to the sky, you know, you can see things flying across, you know, if you ham it up to the nth degree, they will too. Yeah, they'll feel safe that they can do that with you. Yeah. yeah. And then when they think of something cool, they'll feel able to put it in. Mm-hmm. The traditional impression of RPGs is the GM runs it, the players mm-hmm. play it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not 100% correct anyway, but yeah. even less so 
here. It's it's much more dialogue than mm-hmm. interrupted monologue, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because it's very small scale, because it's follow it's following the client's decisions and their character's actions, there's much less chance of railroading because mm. you, don't, you don't have time to go on a world saving quest. You might have time to go down the road for a cup of tea, <laughs> for example. Yeah. Well, thank you. We've come to sort of the end of the hour. Just to oh, chat. Said, I, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. That's the one thing I don't want you to be. I, 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 I cannot fa- believe that that's that time gone. Jeez. Yeah. Well, because again, it's just nice to be able to talk about these things because it's lots of stuff that I've saying to you before we recorded. Like the stuff that I want to know more about as someone who is an educator in these things. That these are like these are things I've experienced. And like I said about the emotional bleed and talking to people about this, and I've experienced myself. So it's just interesting to hear it from. Like, what? Where can we put? this and how can we not necessarily codify it? that's not what i mean but just no. use it in things because it sounds like and again please correct me if i'm wrong that a lot of the people who, who do this with you they haven't experienced role-playing games before and that whole thing we talked about about people looking in going oh role-playing games and actually just to be like here are benefits to this and it is working and we need more whether it's funding for this sort of thing maybe we need more of our highlighted you know just to get the into the zeitgeist because a lot of times when we have the arts and humanities they kind of get put oh there's nothing concrete about it they don't give us results and i'm like it the results here are benefits for our mental health which is so important that when we're in this this sort of uh, climate right now mm-hmm. those are my thoughts uh, but thank you so much i guess daniel my, my final question is that is there anything you'd like to add that we've not covered anything like a, a takeaway message or, or even just like final thoughts i guess from this uh, conversation we've had please if you're listening go out and proselytize go out and say to your therapist oh have you heard of this you know if you know if you have a friend who's a therapist say oh you should give this a try the satanic panic has a lot to answer for this is a thing that would have happened 20 years ago if it hadn't been all pushed underground and because of that we really need to make up for lost time there is a a select group of therapists out there who are verifiable geeks as well and they don't need to be convinced on the efficacy Mm. of rpgs the problem is the vast majority of therapists aren't certified geeks and yeah if there's any way we can just get this out there more please Mm. please do go out spread the word Mm -hmm. buy the book don't buy the book just leave a review on on amazon even if it's a one-star review don't leave one-star reviews uh, <laughs> <laughs> without it but you need to leave it with a comment that's the thing don't leave it as a one because that's just that's just being a being a bit of an ass that's the other thing i say is if you've read the book and you think oh it's not great go out and write your own seriously mm-hmm. i a i am not precious you can tell me what i've done wrong i'm fine mm-hmm. but we need more books on the topic out there this needs to become Mm. a thing you know that i know that all of your listeners know that that's why they're here Mm -hmm. push it out onto the rest of the world so please please go and do that if you can no thank you so much and yeah i I agree i've been i've been looking at some solo rpg games and how we can turn it into immersive theater stuff and how do we get people creating new improv formats because that's where my background is is improvisation which obviously goes hand in hand with role-playing games and so like how can we take 
and make it into a show where people don't go, well, that's a role playing game. There's no like there's no dice or anything like that. It's music and it's like a it's basically it's called Void 1618 AM. And it's just all it is. It's just a solo game where you make your own playlists, but in the guise of a radio host talking out into the night. And then you have things called callers that call you in and you talk to them. And like, well, that makes an instant sort of I mean, there's so many podcasts that are like late time radio shows and stuff like that it's like well how can we put these elements together there's a unique experience that you go and you listen possibly a very grounded story about late night talk shows and about people talking who you know who rings into talk shows is people who have an opinion and then the person on the other end is someone that listens and then debates that opinion and stuff so that that's where i'm coming from for this i want to make role-playing games into sort of more performance piece but then it's not like ah so it is that dungeon dragon show and you're like kind of but it, it just gives us new ways to be creative so yeah, I think we're both in agreement that role-playing games, they're like, we need to put them out there for everyone because they do. And I, and I really, when you said that about like, you feel good after doing a role-playing game. I I remember like during the pandemic, we had our five-year weekly D&D game. We, we did it and I would look forward to it. That was the thing that made me think about like, okay, beginning of the week, got my D&D game. That's fine. And when it got cancelled, because it just got cancelled, I'd be like, can we play something else? I'll run something. Because uh, just that fact that we're meeting together, means that I know that this is this is the start of the week and we can go from and and we, that's that to me is more important that we meet and play something not necessarily the same game just just so, so that we have that connection and that was so important during the pandemic and it's something that we've continued doing through now so and that's why I mentioned uh the or it takes away some of the fear of therapy it, it gives you something to hold on to mm-hmm. through the difficult times yeah I'm feeling really rubbish now but I've got the RPG later. I can go and kill the dragon. Yeah, we can sort this out with, you know, we, we could go fight with our words and, and this, that, and the other. And yeah, absolutely. And just develop crippling dice addiction. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's an, un, we don't really talk about that. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. Um, I guess before we compare dice collections, uh, Daniel, um, where can we find your work? Where can we watch your content on RPG therapy? And where can we get your, your book? So the book itself is um, Role-Playing Games in Psychotherapy, A Practitioner's Guide. It sounds very official and professional and practical and all that. Actually, it is basically just an academically published GM's guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and More to the point, a very simple GM's guide. So it, it actually, even if you're not a therapist, if you've got a group of young players, for example, or people who just want a quick and easy game to play, I so it would say pick it up. The the core mechanic is you roll a die or you know whatever die you happen to have to hand. So you can roll your single d20 and compare that to the results table, or you can roll the d6, or you can roll 2d6, or you can make a it's just you roll a die and whatever it says happens. Simple. And the character creation process is all about relationships there isn't a set spell list for example you just say okay what spell would you like your character to be able to cast mm-hmm. so you don't have to spend two hours searching through um the uh player's handbook going oh yeah i need to cast this spell and it needs to i need to expend a spell slot it's just okay no i my favorite ever spell yeah. that a client's come up with uh was a spell that instantly made the target uh say 
a random swear word. Incredible. That was it. And the, it, A, it was hilarious. And it was a young client. So they were just testing, can I get away with swearing in front of this guy? Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, the number of times he used it to get away. So it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just good. So those two are talking. I was like, I'm just going to get him to swear. And then obviously, well, shit, well the person he's talking to punches him. And like, okay, yeah, distraction sorted. Beautiful. I'm getting out now. <laughs> so, That's so cool. I love that. That's yeah. so creative. Course. And there was another one just below that was the one that made people fart. Um, which was... <laughs> yeah, there, there's always a farting spell somewhere. Like, mm, there has to be one somewhere. If there isn't, you're not doing it right. Um, <laughs> so, so yes, it, it, even if you're not a professional therapist, as long as you promise not to therapize your players, yeah. I'm not just saying it. I do genuinely believe and the book could help you and your game. So role-playing games of psychotherapy, a practitioner's guide. Mm -hmm. My professional website is monomythcounseling.co.uk. You can contact me there for A, therapy, or B, RPG therapist training. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also sign up there for my monthly newsletter, Handwriting. Did you see what I did there? I saw it. Very good. Um, <laughs> and if you sign up for that, you'll get a free adventure pack which is fully compatible with the book mm -hmm. and yes i'm also on facebook daniel hand and youtube at rpg therapist mm -hmm. um, where i talk about how to use the story trinity how, why therapists find rpgs so difficult to use etc mm -hmm. and occasionally have people on we geek out over things and yeah so please do come and join the conversation would be my invitation to you oh fantastic well thank you so much daniel this has been it's been a wonderful like hour and a little bit just chatting to you about this stuff and yeah i feel i feel like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna see you a, a payday or see if uh, that uh, that book appears uh, in my amazon thing but thank you so much it's been really honestly been absolute pleasure to have you too yourself thank you i've been i've been really looking forward to this it's it's been really nice thank you I'm hoping to do more of these special Q&A bonus episodes in the future, including Q&As on the one-shots we've run here at What Am I Rolling? If you have a question or think of an RPG designer who you'd like to see interviewed on this podcast, let us know. Our email address is whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. And that's it. Great. See you next time.